And that's what God is saying. If you can do these two things, you will embody everything. Listen, if you can love the Lord with your whole being and then love your neighbor, then guess what? You ain't going to steal because you ain't going to steal from yourself. You ain't going to cheat. You ain't going to kill because you ain't going to kill yourself. You see? So all these two laws could be behind, everything could be behind all these two laws. Manifested Glory Worship Center. Kingdom focused, kingdom minded, kingdom living. This is the Rhema Talk Podcast, and you're listening to Pastor Damon C. Johnson, founder and senior pastor of Manifested Glory Worship Center. Last Sunday, I did a sermon um, about the woman at the well. And, and this woman at this well uh, was a Samaritan woman, and we discovered last week that the Samaritans and the Jews had beef. They didn't like each other. And they didn't like each other because the Jews were, were pious. They looked down on the Samaritans. So much so, they called Samaritan dogs. Called them dogs and, and thought that they were unfit. And if the truth be told, the Samaritans were the result of the Jewish past rebellion against God. When the Jews rebelled against God, he said, I'm going to have a group of people take over your land. And that was the Assyrians. And so the Assyrians took over uh, the land that the Jews occupied. And began, when the Assyrians began to intermingle and marry and, and make children with the Jews, with the Assyrians, when they did this, that was the product, and the, the product of that was the Sumerian people. And we know, according to our text last week, that whenever the Jews had to go to the northern kingdom, if they were leaving Galilee, going to Galilee from Jerusalem, they always would go around Samaria. They wouldn't go through. They would go all the way around through Jericho, all the way up, just to avoid the Samaritans. Jesus found his way in Samaria. He had his interaction with this woman at this well. And this woman became one of the greatest evangelists of the Samaritan people. She planted that seed of the Lord in them during that time so that later on someone would be able to come to evangelize to these people to get them in the body of Christ. And so I said, you know what, since we were talking about the Samaritan woman last week, let's continue with the Samaritan thing. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to we're going to look at the, the story of the good Samaritan, the good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 25. If you do not have your Bibles, we would definitely have the scriptures on the monitors for you. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. When you get it, please say, I got it. If you're still turning, say, hold up. No problem. Let's get there together. Luke 10, Luke Chen, Luke 10, Luke, Luke Chen. Look, I can't even talk today. Sound like a Chinese, like a, like a martial art, a Lu Chen. Like a... Like a Mortal Kombat character, amen. Luke 10, that that southern... I'm trying to get rid of that North Carolina twang that I picked up. I was down there for five months, and I'm trying to get rid of that thing. I'm trying to get back to my B more. Okay. The struggle's real. Luke, Luke chapter 10... Verse 25 through 37, it reads this way. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answered and said, Love, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, saying to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? 
Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But when a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and went and saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and water and oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him into an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was his neighbor who fell among the thieves? And he answered, he who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Before I get into my sermon tonight, I want to show you a video clip. know that's some over your head if some young folks say who is he that's mr rogers and mr rogers had this neighborhood and you know when i was a kid growing up i don't now first of all i don't know if you all know this but he was an ordained minister yeah mr rogers was an ordained minister and he was trying to create a community and he was trying to teach children about loving and loving your neighbor and when I was a kid, it, as corny as it may seem, it was something gravitating about this show. Whenever it came on, I had to watch it. And I now I understand why, because he was teaching about love and loving your neighbor. And there was something that I, 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 I was like, wow, it's something about this show. Whenever it came on, I had to watch it. And that's my sermon title, Would You Please Be My Neighbor? Would You Please Be My Neighbor? Uh, in our text, we have this lawyer. Now, this lawyer was not an attorney of a, a civil lawyer or a civil attorney. This lawyer was a lawyer of the law. This lawyer was a, uh, a person that, that, that understood the word of God. They were, they, she was versed in the word. She was a lawyer and could argue the law. Now, here's the thing about the law. There were 613 commandments or rules in the law. Now, you have to understand that to this very day, Jews are trying to live by this law. That's impossible. Understand that the law was never created to be followed. You can't follow. We can't even follow the laws we have now. We can't, we can't get the Ten Commandments right, much less adding another 603 to that. So the law, church, was never designed for it to be followed. The law, the purpose of the law would let us know that we are sinful people and we need a savior. That was the law to point the light, say, look, you can't do before a holy God, you can't get it right. 
That's why you needed someone to intervene for you and to help you get it right, which was Jesus Christ. So, so this woman, she was a lawyer in the law, but she, she wasn't, uh, she was real pious. She was, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I know the word. I've went to all the top seminaries. I've, I've, I've done this and I've done that. And she had it going on. And here come Jesus. Now, Jesus, you understand, Jesus was a rabbi. So he had respect of the Jewish community. He, he, he was versed in the word. And the problem that the teacher had with Jesus was that Jesus was drawing a bigger crowd than she could. You know what happens in the body of Christ now? It's competition. My church versus your church. You know, who got the, who got the latest and the greatest? Who got the biggest preachers coming to town to preach in their church? It's all about show. And, and so, you know, Jesus come to town and he's preaching this mighty word. He's drawing this crowd. And because he's drawing this crowd, here comes the religious leaders trying to hate on Jesus. Now, she comes and she comes, she questions Jesus not to gain knowledge, not to gain wisdom, but to try to trick Jesus up. So let's, let's see what she asks Jesus. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For kings and prophets desire and have desired to see the things that you see and have not seen them and to hear the things that you hear and are hearing and have not heard them. Teacher, excuse me, excuse me, uh, teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life, teacher? Uh. What is written in the law? You do read, right? Mm. The law. The law says to love thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind and thy strength and to love thy neighbor as thyself. Now I'm going to stop them right there. Now, listen to what this just happened. She called herself trying to question Jesus about the word and he is the Word. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, how in the world you, teacher, going to question the Word about the Word? But I love Jesus. Jesus was smooth with his. You know what Jesus said? He said, what, since you know the law, little eternity, uh, what does the law say? And then he come with a second question. Can you read? Read your Bible. He says, what? He says, but the question was, can you read? And the other part of that question is, did you understand what you read? See, many are in church, but they don't understand what they're hearing. Yes. This is why, you know, when God gave me this ministry to birth this ministry, I said, Lord, I want to be a teaching ministry. Because so many people are sitting in church every Sunday, getting their emotional high, but they ain't learning nothing. The preacher speaking these words that nobody can understand and, and using an analogy that nobody can comprehend and they leave out and say, I feel good, but I don't understand what I just experienced. And so, and so I want to create a ministry where people can understand the word of God so they can then use it to apply it to their lives. So she goes and she says to him, um, um, teacher, how can I receive eternal life? He said, well, you know the word. What did the word say? And can you comprehend it? This is the thing that messed me up. She was able to regurgitate it just like that. So she knew what the word said. She was just trying to trick up Jesus. Why are you asking him a question you already know the answer to? 
But here I want to go a little bit deeper with this because she's challenging Jesus about the word. Let me ask you this. How many of you are Bible literate enough to stand toe to toe with somebody question you about your faith? Mm. Jesus and teacher, give me a moment. I got to park here for a second. How you been in church 30 years and you don't, you only know two scriptures? How, why is it when you're faced with adversity, you have nothing inside you can pull on? No word to pull on because you don't have none inside of you. Why is that? Why, why, why only 20% of the church come to Bible study? You know, Bible study is designed so you to come and you can learn the word. So you can be versed in the word so you won't be running from Jehovah Witnesses. Church. How can the church of God, the people of God, be scared of somebody else teaching some, some doctrine that's ungodly? My wife would tell you, I, I pray they come to my house. Knock on my door. I got something for you. When we first moved our community, they came. They haven't been there since. They put the word out on me. You know why? Because I spend time in the word of God. And so I can defend my faith. I don't care who comes to me. Wherever they come, I can stand toe to toe. She's questioning Jesus about the word of God. Now, if Jesus wasn't versing the word, he, could, he would have said, well, you know, he, he would do like, we'll, we'll turn off the TV and turn the blinds down. We don't want them to know we're home. <laughs> but if you will come to church, get that word down the side of you. Come to Bible study on Thursday nights at 7.30. And get that word. When somebody come and challenge you, be like, seriously? You want to have this conversation? Let's have it. And you ain't got to fight. You ain't got to fuss. See, what, what, what I am, I'm, what I'm called an apologetic. That's a defender of the faith. And so I can stand toe to toe. Even when I was in seminary, I took a class on apologetics because I want to be able to defend the faith. I don't care who comes before me. I want to be able to say no. This is what the word of God says. I'm going to stand on God's word. And so this teacher, she, she comes and she asks Jesus a question. She says, Jesus, uh, how can I get eternal life? Jesus said, well, you know the word. Uh, what's the word? And can you read it? And can you understand it? And she was able to say, love the Lord your God. Listen to what she said. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. Give me a moment to talk about those four things. Now, if we don't know anything in MGWC, I explain about how we are created. That we're made in the image and the likeness of God. God is three parts of his being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have three parts of our being, spirit, soul, and body. I spent a lot of time teaching on that, right? Look what, look what the word has said. The word has broke that thing down for us. It says, with all your heart. Now, last week I taught you that whenever you see the word belly in the word of God, it's a, it's a metaphor for your spirit. Well, guess what? Heart is the same thing. Whenever you see something about your heart, it's referring to your spirit. So, she's, so the word of God says, love the Lord God with all your spirit. Then it says with all your soul. Now your soul has a lot of compartments in it. Your soul has housed your, your, your feelings, your, your, your intellect, your emotions, all of that. Your, your, all those things that make you you, that's your soul. Then it says your strength. Now your strength comes from your body. Spirit, soul, body. But then... I love the word that it's pulled apart, apart out of the soul, and it said your mind. The fourth thing was your mind. Understand what your mind is. Your mind is where your choices are made. It's your will. 
So your will is a part of your mind. So this is how this whole thing works. When you have a thought, it comes into your soul. It has to go through a whole lot of processes. It has to go through all your feelings, go through all of that. And then once your feelings, once you feel a certain way about it, then it then hands it over to your mind, holding over to your will. Then based off of how you feel, you will make a decision on how you feel. And that's where the choice come in. So he says you have to love the Lord God with your, your spirit, your whole soul, your body, and then your mind. That's, now, he didn't say, give me a portion of your heart just on Sunday. Give me a, a, a fraction of your, your soul on Tuesday. He says, he did a John Legend on him. All of me. <laughs> See, I, I talk, that's how I talked to the Lord. I said, Lord, all of me loves all of you. Come on now. I, I, John, John had a sermon in that thing. All of me, God, guess what? Loves all of you. And so, so, so John had a message there. John, John said, God, not just a portion of me. And that's our problem. We treat God like he's a part-time lover. We want to give him a portion of our heart. We treat God like he's a side piece. I, I'll hang out with you on Sunday, but the rest of the week belongs to everybody else. Sunday, I'll give you an hour. Matter of fact, I ain't going to give you two hours. I'm going to get to church late. Bless the Lord. So I'll give you an hour a week, God, but I want all of you. To bless all of, bless all of me. And we can't give him none of our, so he says, in order to get this, if you want eternal life, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you hate yourself? You hate yourself? Here's the thing. You'll forgive, look, you want, you want people to forgive you, but you can't show forgiveness. Now, you'll forgive yourself. Well, yeah, I know I messed that up, but God, you know, your grace and mercy, hallelujah. <laughs> but when I need that grace, when I need you to extend me mercy, you, can't, you ain't got nothing for me. You take care of yourself. But you don't take care of your neighbor like you take care of yourself. Because we're selfish people. It's all about me, what I can get. Y'all quiet in this Lutheran church. Y'all all right? Amen, lights and walls. See, see, when, when, it, when it comes to releasing attention from yourself and giving it to somebody else, we have a problem with that. Because we're selfish. God, what you going to do for me? He says, no, you got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, there's another place in Scripture where Jesus told him, said, you can hang all the other laws on these two. These two things, he said, love the Lord your God with all, your, all this and love your neighbor. He said, you can hang everything on those two things. So that's, you know what Jesus is saying? I'm going to give you a, a test with 150 questions. If you get the first two right, you pass the test. That's what he's saying. Matter of fact, he said, I'm going to give you a test with 613 problems. You get the first two right, I'll pass you on the test. That's a pretty good deal. And that's what God is saying. If you can do these two things, you will embody everything. Listen, if you can love the Lord with your whole being and then love your neighbor, then guess what? You ain't going to steal because you ain't going to steal from yourself. You ain't going to cheat. You ain't going to kill because you ain't going to kill yourself. You see, so all these two laws could be behind. Everything could be behind on these two laws. So this teacher just got a word from the Lord. Matter of fact, she was able to tell the Lord the word. <laughs> tell the word the word. But because this crowd isn't here and because she feels some kind of way because she just got called out, 
See, it's people funny when you flip it on them, right? They throw shade at you, I mean, you throw shade back, now they got a problem, right? She tried to throw shade at Jesus. Jesus came back and said, well, what if, you know the word. Can you read? Are you good? So because of that, she's feeling some kind of way. So now she's going to question Jesus again. That is the word, teacher. Well, you have answered correctly. Go and do that, and you will live. Uh, well, excuse me, uh, teacher, before you start again, uh, I was wondering who is my neighbor, teacher? Mm. She questioned him, asked him, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And that's why my sermon title, would you please be my neighbor? Because she wants to know who her neighbor is because in her eyes, her neighbors are people who look just like her, who dress just like her, who live in her same community, who talk like her, who at the same restaurants, who drive the same car. They are her neighbors. Just like you think, you know, when you go, you drive home, oh, there go my neighbor. Hi, neighbor. Well, what about the person if you live over east? Are they your neighbor? Or the people who live over west? You live on the hill. What about the people who live in the projects? Are they your neighbor too? See, sometimes, sometimes we only consider those who are in our circle as our neighbors. Only those who talk like us and look like us. And that's the problem with us as the church. We only want to deal with people that can come in and, and, be, and assimilate to us. Dress the way we dress. Talk the way we... That's why I wear jeans. People come here all past. Oh, the pastor has on jeans. Yeah, that's right. You got a problem with it? Does it make me less holy? You mean, I can wear my collar every Sunday. Don't make me more holy. I can put on my robe. I got robes. I got, I got all that stuff. See, people get caught up because they want you to look like them and talk like them. You know, I've gone to other churches to preach, and because I didn't have on a necktie, they looked at me like I was funny. I still had on a suit jacket. I didn't have on no time. The man said, you, you the preacher? Yeah, I'm the preacher. Does he have on this nice tie tie? I'm like, come on, doc. Seriously? That's what you get caught up on, what I got on? And, and, and see, and that's what I'm saying. If somebody came here that looked like they came from the street, how would we treat them? Are they our neighbor? If they came in here and they didn't smell like you smell, are, are they still your neighbor? What if they just got the, the, out the bar and they got a little lick on their breath? Are they still your neighbor? God love them, church. Because guess what? God says they're still your neighbor. And, and, and we can't get caught up on making them look. So she's questioning Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor, Jesus? Remember, she's Jewish. Not only she's Jewish, she's a Jewish lawyer. So she's a part of the Sadidi part of the society. She got it going on. She got money. She got prominence. She got position. So she's thinking her, her neighbors are people just like her. So Jesus gives her an answer, and it covers verses 30 through 37. Let's see Jesus' response to who she questioned is her neighbor. A certain man was on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. When suddenly he fell upon thieves. He robbed him of his clothing, 
wounded him, and left him half dead. Well, it just so happened that a priest was walking that same road. And, and when he saw him, he looked, but then he passed by on the other side. Now, now let me stop this priest right here. Stop him for a minute, priest. <laughs> the preacher man. See, in the, in the eyes of the lawyer, this would be my neighbor. Because we're from the same cloth. We, we do the same thing. Understand, they, they roll together like that. Now, let me talk about this man that got beat up and wounded. Because understand, he is Jewish. Because the Bible says he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, which means only Jews took that road. So technically, he would have been his neighbor. According to what the lawyer would have said. They would have been neighbors. They're both Jewish. They're from the same community. They go to the same church. <laughs> but here comes the preacher. The preacher comes, see you in need. Look at you real good. They go, brother so-and-so. He probably going to ask me for some money. And guess what he did? He went to the other side of the road and kept it moving. <laughs> Church, I've been there, been in a church, faithful to the church. One thing me and my wife have always been is tithers. Faithful. Oh, y'all got quiet when I said that. Oh, have mercy. Jesus was faithful. Faithful to the ministry, faithful in our giving. And the pastor barely knew my name. When, when, when I had a problem, I couldn't go talk to the pastor. I had to go through a series of people to even shake the pastor's hand. Had to, had to, had, had to get through a security system just to say hello to the pastor. And so I know what this brother feels like to have your pastor that you feel like should have your back, not even pay you no mind. Amen. Amen. So this, this poor man probably was a member of this priest church. He came over here, looked at him. That's his problem. And kept it moving. Let's, let's continue for me, Jesus. Let's, keep, let's see what else happens here. And then along that same road came a Levite. When she saw the man, likewise, she moved and walked to the other side. Come here, Levi. Come here. <laughs> you know what a Levite is? A Levite is a musician or a singer. The Levitical priesthood, they, they was in charge of the music ministry. So this is just a choir member, a praise team singer, a musician in the church who, who came singing all his glory to God. 
God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You know all the songs? I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God. Singing all these songs. Lord, I'm available to you. You know how the choir and the praise team do? Eyes closed, singing from their heart. But when it comes time to apply that, what they have sung? Little or no fruit. Now she comes past this. Now they go to the same church. They, they, you know, they get down together. They, you know, they, this poor fellow probably sat on the second row and watched her sing her song. Now he's dying. She walked past, looked at him real good. Oh, that's Brother Johnson. Hope somebody come past and help him. Now here's the thing. The priest and the Levite should have, been, should have been neighborly and done what was right. Listen, especially since they were all a part of the same community. Right? But, but they didn't. It's not how life is. The ones you think will help you. The ones you think would have your back. When you're in need, they're nowhere to be found. The ones you have supported, the ones you put your neck out for, now it's time for you to have some support and they're nowhere to be found. Oh God, in these five years of pastoring this church, God knows I know that story. The people I support the most will leave and don't even say bye. And, and that's, church, that's just human nature. And you have to understand that you can't allow that to cause you to get like them. You still got to walk that road. You still have to be Christ-like. And no matter what they do or what they don't do, you still got to show forth the love of God. Because guess what? You got to stand before God just like they do. And you, you can't have no excuse. God, I, I ain't do it because they ain't do it. That's a poor excuse. Father, I got to look. When I stand before you, I want you to say, well done. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes, God, to be pleasing in your sight. So this poor brother's dying, and two people walk past him. Two people who should have been his neighbor, the priest and the Levite both walk past. But then here comes this third person. Jesus, help us out here. But then... It just so happened that along that road was a Samaritan who came and met him where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, now let, let me pause the Samaritan right here. You know, Samaritans didn't like Jews, and Jews didn't like Samaritans. They didn't like each other. But, but understand that the Samaritan said, I see somebody in need. Somebody who's not supposed to be my neighbor. I'm going to show forth some love because they need help. They're in need. And so let's see what the Samaritan did for this man. He bound up his wounds. Using oil and wine. Anointed him. Then... He takes the man and places him upon his own beast. Takes him to an inn. 
takes care of him. And on the next day, the next day, he handed the innkeeper two denarii. And he said to the innkeeper, innkeeper, I'm going to leave. But I want you to take care of this man. And whatever it cost, I will pay it back when I come back. Now, now, let me stop them there. Because this Samaritan didn't just say, oh, I feel sorry for you. Oh, brother, I'm going to pray for you. you know, that's what we do in church. Yeah. When you see your brother and sister, I'm going to pray for you. They might need a little bit more than your prayer. Right. Especially when you have means to be a help or to be a blessing to them. When you, when, you, when you know you can help them, you know they're struggling, and you have extra that you can sow into their life. Now, this Samaritan, he would just happen to be on the road. Now, look what he did. He took to this man. He helped bandage up this man's wounds. He not only bandaged his wounds, he said, I'm going to put you on my animal. I'm going to take you to a hotel, right? I'm going to pay for the hotel. He stayed with him a whole day and took care of him. He had to leave. He said, look, I'm, I got to leave. He walked to the hotel owner and said, I'm going to give you some money to take care of this man. Now, anything over what I've given you, when I come back, I'm going to give you that money too. For a stranger. For a person who he shouldn't be kind to according to the law. He, he, he had compassion. Let's look at a couple of things he had to do. He had to, first of all, he had compassion. Now, your compassion should move you to action. When you, when you have compassion for something, it should drive you to action. You should do something. Here's the problem. We only want to have compassion for those people we like. Now, understand, can I give you a sidebar? Don't allow your love to be controlled by what you like. Love is a different word. He says, love your neighbor. And you ain't got to like your neighbor to love them. Which is what is, what is, according to the scripture, what is love? Love is patient, it's kind. It's long-suffering. It doesn't keep a record. That's what love is. And so, and you ain't got to be in my circle for me to love you. He had, he had, he saw he had compassion. And then he moved out of the compassion and, and, and did something. But he also was willing to pay the cost. And that's where we drop the ball. We don't want to help nobody out. What if it's going to cost you something? I did a sermon not too long ago. It may cost you a little. It may cost you a lot. And following Christ, it will cost you. Being a disciple of Christ is going to cost you. Understand, this man, look, what did it cost him? It cost him his time. It cost him some money. And you know what? I, when I think about people like this, when I, when I thought about the scripture, one of the people that came to my mind was Deaconess Katrina. Yeah. Mm. You realize that before she even was a deaconess, she was on themselves just helping people. She was doing the work before she had the title. That's a preach all by itself. And because of her connection to these shelters, we as a ministry now be a part of that work. And we're at Sarah's Hope. We're helping people who are less fortunate than us. We don't, we don't mind paying the cost. We, we have a portion of what we bring into this church go towards helping people. I don't know if y'all know that. A portion of, of what you give, we dedicate it to helping others outside of these four walls. And helping people within these four walls. Many people in the church have been, a, been blessed by this ministry. Financially. Because it's all about loving your neighbor. Ain't about us just, oh, we, I'm flossing, I'm the past, I'm making. Look, y'all know I go to work every day. 
Because you know why? I believe in this work. I believe in building kingdom, and it can't be about me. It got to be about the kingdom and building what God has established. We, we, as a ministry, we help a lot of people on a monthly basis. We don't just do it when it's Thanksgiving time. Those bags that we gave out this week, that was just, that's light work compared to what we do all year. But because it's about helping your neighbor. It's about being a blessing to others. And so it cost this Samaritan something. It cost him his time. It cost him his money and probably a little bit of his pride. Because he had to help somebody who probably didn't like him. When the last time you did that? When the last time you was a blessing to someone you know don't like you? Oh, help me there, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Understand that what that's what a good neighbor will do. I know you don't really care for me. I know you don't even probably you probably don't want me touching you right now. But I'm gonna pray for you, and I'm gonna be a blessing to you because hey, can I show you a scripture? But put, put, put up there for me, uh, Luke six sound room. I, I want to show y'all something here. This scripture, we read it all the time when it's time for offering and time for giving. But, but, but let, me, let me show you what it says. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Look what it says. And good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be put into your, now the new, I mean the King James says, and it will cause men to give unto your bosom. Yeah. Right? And it says, and with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. And when I think about the scripture, you know, I, I have a very, uh, I'm, I'm a visual learner, so I see everything in, in illustrations. You ever, now, I know this was Thanksgiving time, and I know that many of y'all smashed all week. Amen. Including me. I got it in. Soaring off in that football game. I still, my mouth still was working. Amen. So I know that during this season, you probably accumulated more trash than you normally do. Now, when you have your trash can, and your trash can get full, you, you, you say, I know that it's full, but it has more room. So what do you do? Y'all missed it. You, you missed it. Mm. You missed it. He said, when you are a blessing to others, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it back to you in good measure. He says, that means, that means you have more capacity. I, even though it's full, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press it down so you can have more room to get more stuff. I'm going to shake together and then look, I'm going to let it run over. So as people put them stuff in, because it's going to cause men to get your bosom, I'm going to have people come get stuff, but I'm going to keep pressing it down until it just runs over. And with the same measure that you gave, I'm going to let you get it back in that same measure, but in abundance. This, this Samaritan is living this thing out. Give, and it should be given unto you. And understand that the Samaritans had a bad reputation. But when you go through the scripture, by the time they get to the end, they, they, their reputation get better and better. And it's all because of people like this good Samaritan. Now, you know, according to the lawyer, this is an oxymoron to say good Samaritan in the same sentence. Because they consider them as dogs. But the people who were holy walked past this man. The people who were in church walked right past him. The uncivilized one, the street dude, the dog, was the one that helped him. So... He bandaged him up, took him to the hotel, told the innkeeper, listen, 
take care of him. Whatever his bill is, I'm going to pay it. Whatever he owes, I'm going to take care of that. So he had this Samaritan take care of a Jew. But Jesus, go ahead and continue your, your conversation. Now, of the three that walked by this man on the road, which one was neighborly to him? The one whom shown compassion, I suppose. Then go your way and act like him. Stay out here for me, Jesus. Come on, stay out here, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus trying to roll out. You say, y'all, Lord, I'll be with you all the time. <laughs> you never leave me nor forsake me. Stay out here with me then, Jesus. <laughs> Don't leave me now, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have fun in church. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. Jesus started the conversation off with love. And he's... He's drawing this, this teacher to a place of love, trying to get him to understand you just can't love who you want to love uh, and, and think that's love. Your love has to be bigger than what you like, and you can't be a big person with a small heart. If you want, if you want to, listen, if you want to leave a legacy, it can't be about the money you have and the things you have. What about your heart? What are you doing to help people? What are you doing to be a blessing to somebody else? What are you doing that's going to benefit others and not just benefit you? See, we're selfish sometimes because we want mercy for me and mine, but not for yours. We want compassion and love. But the teaching and the lesson that Jesus was teaching this teacher was that the, the question was, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, your neighbor is the one who, who loves you. And I will beg to say that sometimes that's your family. See, we, we, we get so confined about what our family really means. But the people who really love you is your family. Some of you may not have a mother or a father, but you have somebody that can love you like a mother or a father. You may have never had a brother or sister, but you got a whole church full of brothers and sisters. See, we are, God has brought us together as a family. And we are a community. And so because we are a community, we should be neighborly, not just to one another, the people who look like us, but those who don't look like us, those who don't. Because guess what? They may be the one that be the blessing in your life. You could be walking past your blessing. Because you never know. That's some, that man that got up, I guarantee you, when he got back on his feet, he's going to remember that Samaritan. When he make his come up, he's going to say, you know what? I almost died. But somebody took the time to be a blessing to me. Now that God has blessed me, I can live out this Luke 6 thing. I can, be a, I can give unto their bosom and be a blessing to them. See, y'all, Jesus understood love. You know why? Because he was love. See, here's the thing about Jesus. He tried to teach this teacher about love because love was the one that love made Jesus in the, in the garden of Gethsemane say, not my will, God, but your will be done. That was love that said that. We think the nails kept him on the cross. It was love that kept him on the cross. It wasn't those nails. It was his love for us. That's what John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. And whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's the part we don't like. For God did not come to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. No condemnation, just love. See, 
So many times in church, the word is always harsh and you're going to hell if you don't get right with Jesus. Now here's the reality, that's the reality. I didn't write it. But we got to see as a church, if we want people to come into the body, we got to show forth the love of God. We can't go preaching, you go, you about to go to hell and say, oh, come on, visit my church. Ain't nobody, nobody part of that. What happens is what happens when people will see forth the love of God in your life. They will experience the love of your church. You know, one of the things we try to build in our culture, our church is a loving church. Listen, I, I, I'll hug on anybody's neck in here. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't above the law. I'll hug everybody. If you want to sit down and rap, let's rap. You want to talk? You want to meet? What you need to do? You need some help? I want to help you. Because you know what? I want to be neighborly. I want, I want to be a neighbor. And I want to teach our church the culture of being neighbors so that we'll, they'll do the same thing. And people say, you know what? I know Brother so was going through, but he really helped me in my time of trouble. Man, I could do the same thing. I could be a blessing to somebody else. And then that person becomes a blessing. And guess what we're doing? We're building the kingdom. The kingdom is expanding all through a one word, love. And that's what we got to do. We have to be loving. You can't be in church all mean and nasty. You ever met church people like that? Could speak in tongues but cuss you out at the same time? Can, 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 can pray heaven down but can't speak to you when they see you? That ain't love. That's religion. We got to get out of religion and get to a place of love. Because love going to breed us into a place of relationship. And that's what we want. We want a relationship with, with God and with God's people. Can I show you all another scripture? Put 1 John up there. This messed me up. I got to show you all this. Look what it says in 1 John. If someone say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. I didn't say it. Let me keep reading. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Amen. Don't come in here and say you love God and you can't be nice to people. Amen. The Bible says you're a liar. And the truth ain't in you. Amen, Amen lights and walls. So if, if we're going to do this right, church, it was not a if. Remember what the, the, Lord, the teacher said to Jesus? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It isn't either or, it's and. That means in addition to. So you can't pick and choose, all right, I'm going to love God but not love my brother. I'm going to love my brother but hate God. No, the two go together. And you can't have one without the other. So it's all about love. And so, so, so Jesus had an awesome lesson. He taught this teacher, and hopefully the teacher got the conversation right. And I'm just going to close out with my sermon title. Would you please be my neighbor? Come on, stand on your feet. 
Thank you for listening to the Rhema Talk podcast. To hear this sermon again or get caught up with past sermons, you can download the Mixcloud app and search Manifest Glory. Or you can search for MGWC's Rhema Talk podcast in the iTunes store on your iPhone or iPad. Also, don't forget to like MGWC on Facebook and go to MGWC.net to get caught up on all the latest church announcements. Thank you for listening to the Rhema Talk podcast, and we hope you will join us next time.